welcome again to another edition of Daily in the Word. I'm glad you're here today. My name is Rich Chassie, and I am your host and teacher. Today we're reading from Genesis chapter 14, which contains the story of Abram rescuing his nephew Lot from being captured by this group of kings, headlined by a fellow by the name of Kedor Laomer. That's a mouthful. And we have a few names here that are somewhat of a mouthful once again. But the really interesting part of the story, at least for me, comes at the end of this chapter with a fellow by the name of Melchizedek. We'll get to that in time. Let's go ahead and begin reading in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 14. At the time when Amraphel was king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Kedarlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, these kings went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoar. All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is, the Dead Sea Valley. For twelve years they had been subject to Kedarlaomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedarlaomer and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Rephaites in Ashtoreth Carnaim, the Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in Shava, Kiriathaim, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran near the desert. Then they turned back and went to En-Mishpat, that is, Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites, who were living in Hazazan Tamar. Then the king of Zodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoar, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against Ketoleomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goyim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshkel and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedarlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. 
and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people, and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten, and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshkel, and Mamre. Let them have their share. The first part of this story demonstrates what would have been a typical international incident during this time, during this ancient time where you had these tiny little kingdoms, each little clan with their own king and their own little treaties, and these five kings who were upset with being subjects of Kedor Laomer, now deciding that they're going to rise up and try to usurp, get rid of Kedor Laomer. But Kedor Laomer is the one who is victorious. He and his fellow kings are victorious in their battle. They conquer basically what is Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot had been, at this point, living in Sodom and had been taken away along with all of his possessions by the conquering king. Abram gets word of this, and he himself is now a clan leader. In verse 13, he is, for the first time, called Adam the Hebrew. This is the first time we see the word Hebrew. And this is a reference now to what would become his clan, what would become his family. Even though he doesn't have children yet, he is the leader of this. And he's got a few friends as well who are coming to his aid, treaties, if you will. He's got 318 trained men in his household, and they go and pursue Ketoleomer and his folks, and Abram wins. He routs them easily. And again, this is more proof of God's blessing. God blessing not only Abram, but those who would also bless Abram, who would be on the side of Abram, and those who opposed Abram, God would curse. We see that happening here. So he's able to rescue Lot and all of his possessions and all of his people and bring them back. And as he comes back, he is met by the king of Sodom. And then this other character comes out of what seemingly is out of nowhere. His name is Melchizedek, and he's known as the king of Salem. Salem was the precursor of Jerusalem. He brings bread and wine, and he is titled the priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram. It's interesting that Abram allows this to happen. He allows Melchizedek, he recognizes Melchizedek's place as being a worshiper of God as well. Melchizedek blesses Abram, blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then that last part of verse 20, Abram gave him a tenth or a tithe of everything. 
So everything that he had acquired in this battle, Abram gives to Melchizedek as a tithe. That's interesting. Why did Abram consider Melchizedek this priest of God? Who made him that? Where did he come from? That all remains somewhat of a mystery. The only other time that we see Melchizedek mentioned, one is in Psalm 110, where David is talking about how his descendant would be a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. But what order is there? We know that Melchizedek predates the Levite priesthood that was created in the Old Testament law, and we have the idea of a tithe being something that predates the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law. So we have an interesting dynamic there. And then Melchizedek, again, is mentioned in two chapters in the book of Hebrews, At first, the writer of Hebrews wants to mention Melchizedek, but he says, listen, this is too deep for you guys. You can't get a hold of this. You're still too elementary in your learning. You should have grown up by now and been able to understand this. And then he still goes on yet to explain Melchizedek. Jesus qualifies as our great high priest, and as our king. Remember in the Old Testament law, the king and the priests came from two different family lines. They could not intermingle. So how could Messiah be both the great high priest and also the king of kings from the kingly line? And the reason is, is because Jesus is our priest according to the order of Melchizedek and not the order of Levite. Abram gives him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom makes an offer as well. But Abram says to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, because I don't want you to be able to say I made Abram rich. Abram recognizes that the king of Sodom is a wicked man. The last thing he wanted to do was to create some sort of entanglement. Abram didn't want that entanglement. Abram didn't want to owe anybody. But he does recognize Melchizedek, recognizes him as a fellow worshiper of God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. We see that respect that he has for the priest of God. That's an interesting dynamic. This little pop-up in the history of Abram that we have here from this fellow by the name of Melchizedek, who shows up on the scene and then just as quickly disappears. Some theologians would say that Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, or a theophany, that Jesus took the form of this person, Melchizedek, and appeared on the scene in this moment. I don't know if that's really the case, But it is interesting to think of that because we don't have a history. Genesis is full of genealogies and knowing people's pasts and all of that, but not with Melchizedek. He shows up on the scene, he disappears just as quickly, and then we don't see him again until the book of Psalms one time and then the book of Hebrews. And we have this history of Jesus being our great high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Lord, we thank you that we have 
this history of Melchizedek. As little as it is, it helps us to understand how Jesus is qualified to be not only the sacrifice for our sins because he is sinless, but he is also the only one qualified to offer the sacrifice for sins because he is our great high priest. And we know that Jesus is coming again as king, king of kings and lord of lords. And we look forward to that day. Jesus is the answer to all the questions about all of the needs that we have. And he is qualified in every way to meet every need that we have. And it goes all the way back here even to Genesis chapter 14 and the appearance of this hardly known character of Melchizedek. Lord, thank you for providing this history, this history of Melchizedek, that we can know that this is a part of your plan of bringing your son in to be our redeemer. And we need that. We need to know the Lord Jesus Christ and know how he is qualified as our redeemer, as our savior, as our sacrifice for sins. So Lord, again, we say thank you and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again for listening today here on Daily in the Word. One quick note about our future schedule. I am recording this on Friday. If you're following me on a daily basis, you will know that uh, the July 4th holiday is upon us, and I will not be recording on Monday, July 4th. We'll be back on Tuesday, July 5th. Now, if you're just following along, not on that timeline, this announcement won't make any sense to you, and that's fine. You'll just be able to go on to your next episode as we get into Genesis chapter 15, which is another very unique chapter. And we see the covenant that God makes with Abram in chapter 15. Well, I look forward to seeing you then. And until then, I pray that you have a great day. Bye-bye.